right? His joy. All right, kids, all the kids can be released to go to the kids' church. Yay. Watch half the congregation walk out. Now there's plenty of seats for everyone. All right, I want to introduce and bring out Pastor Cameron Wright. Give him a hand. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I love baptisms uh, because that marks that uh, people have made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and they've uh, signified it. And baptism is more than just a, a outward act of an inward uh, commitment. It is an outward act. It is a sacrament. Uh, we uh, Something supernatural happens. The Bible talks about that the power of sin is broken in our lives, that we truly are baptized. We are buried with Christ uh, and in, this, in, in baptism. And it enables us to live differently, to, uh, to get up out of that water as new men or new women or new young men and new young women. Uh, and it's, it's powerful. It's life-changing. And that's the message of the Gospel. We've been looking at, uh, over the last several weeks, uh, different aspects of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, um, we looked at Jesus, my Savior, right? <clears throat> what was the next one? I can't remember. Jesus, my Lord. There it is. Uh, and uh, last week, it's kind of interesting, Mitko is here and... Um, he talked about Jesus, my door, you know, he, as Jesus is the door. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. It fits with our series, uh, Jesus, my door. But this week we're going to look at Jesus, my shepherd. <clears throat> and the reason we're looking at different uh, relationships that we have with Jesus or different roles that we have with Jesus all stems from this verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight or encumbrance and the sin which so easily ensnares or entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, or one translation puts it, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the whole purpose of this study, and really the purpose of being a Christian, the purpose of reading your Bible, the purpose of spending time in prayer, is to get uh, uh, to look at Jesus, to fix our eyes on the person Jesus Christ. And as we behold Him, we become like Him. We gain a better understanding of who He really is. And listen, we replace uh, or refine our ideas or, uh, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, what we think about Jesus, we replace maybe some bad ideas or some improper ideas. We refine our understanding of who Jesus is to be more in line with the biblical truths. And when we better understand Him, we can better receive from Him. All right? If you know Him better... Uh, you can better receive. And there's a lot of people that try to, you know, a big part of their struggle and trying to walk the walk of faith is that it's based on a misunderstanding of some issue about Jesus. And much of what I do as a pastor is I say, that's not really what Jesus is like. He's more like this. And uh, when you know him uh, better, it enables you to be more free. <clears throat> so Jesus as my shepherd uh, and we're actually going to talk about two aspects, both as shepherd and intercessor. 
And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. Can we pray? Yeah. Good. Well, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'd open our eyes, God, and uh, that uh, our minds would be open to your word. Father, and even though we're talking about something that's familiar, Lord, that you'd bring new and deeper understanding so that we can be transformed. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I really believe that, um, you know, God wants to do something in your life. And by your life, I mean each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit has something for you this morning. And He wants to come alongside and aid you in your understanding of who Jesus is so that you can better walk the walk of being a Christian, that you can follow Him better. And you need to understand that Jesus is a shepherd. And one of the very first uh, things said about Him in the New Testament here is the beginning of the New Testament, chapter 2 of Matthew. This is um, the verse quoted by the scribes and the priests to King Herod when he was inquiring about the Messiah. They quote this verse that says, uh, he asked them where would the Messiah be born? And, and the scribe said, well, the Old Testament says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so this idea of Jesus being a shepherd is introduced right at the beginning. Uh, 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 it's part of the introduction of the New Testament. It's part of the introduction of the person of Jesus Christ into the biblical narrative. And, uh, and one important part, it's not just Jesus, but here it is, Jesus, the ruler and a shepherd. It's one of the defining roles and identities of Jesus Christ. And this aspect of Christ's rule that He will rule as a shepherd, a ruler who will shepherd My people, differentiates Him from just a king or just another ruler. But that He was going to be a ruler that shepherd. And it's based on uh, uh, His ancestor David, who was also a shepherd. And so He's stepping into or Jesus is fulfilling what David in the Old Testament uh, prophesied or lived as an example, Jesus comes and He is, in His own words, He says in John chapter 10, He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd gives His life for His sheep. Alright? Jesus talking about Himself. He says, you know who I am? I'm the Good Shepherd. And a Good Shepherd gives His life for his sheep. And another uh, later in that same chapter, John 10:14, he again repeats, "I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own." So not only is the Old Testament prophesying about Jesus's identity or the Messiah's identity as a ruler, ruler that is a shepherd, Jesus himself talks about, "Hey, this is who I am. This is how you need to understand me." You need to understand me and my role and my relationship with you like a shepherd relates to his sheep. And he demonstrated that by giving his life for his sheep. He says, I know my sheep and am known by my own in John 10. And the idea here is that there's a relationship. Four times in that chapter of John, uh, it talks about that the sheep 
hear or the sheep know His voice. And so there's a relationship, an intimate relationship between the sheep and and the shepherd who rules them. Jesus is also in the New Testament called the Great Shepherd and in another place, the Chief Shepherd. So in order to understand what this means to be a shepherd, we want to go to the the, the text <laughs> in the Bible, Psalm 23. So if you have your Bible, turn to that, Psalm 23. And this really kind of unpacks this idea, well, what is a shepherd? What does it mean? You know, we live in a, uh, in a you know, I went to pick up my daughter from a uh, high school competition. And I, I don't know, I hope I don't offend anybody. Yeah, nothing to be offended by. But <laughs> we went out to Matawan and you drive into the high school and it's, like there's a cow pasture right there and the cows were out feeding. And I was like, dang, I'm in the country. <laughs> you know, that's like where I grew up. You know, uh, I mean, there was a, a marked difference between that and Portage Northern. Okay. <laughs> we are in the country here. But many of us don't live in an in a agricultural uh, uh, context. And so we don't understand what it means to be a shepherd. All right. And chances are you probably have ideas that are completely unrealistic. Okay, Uh, And uh, the concept is is so far removed from our daily lives. So what we want to do is look at Scripture uh, where it talks about shepherding and from the Scripture, get an understanding of what God means by this. What did Jesus mean when he said, I'm your shepherd? Psalm uh, 23. Let me turn to it. Let me just read it first all the way through. Oops. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, it's not a relationship that's distant or removed. There's a personal aspect. He's not just the shepherd. He's my shepherd. Everybody say, He's my shepherd. shepherd. Yeah. And so right in, even here, the Bible is stressing this idea that God wants you to have a personal relationship with Him. He is active and intimate in your life. Not a rule giver that's far removed, not distant and unknown, but He's my shepherd. And, and if you think of a, a sheep in a herd is completely dependent on their own particular shepherd. Right? That there's a relationship of dependency. And that's what the psalmist, and here it's David who was a shepherd when he was young, and he understands what it means. He says, just like my sheep depended on me for all the different things, Lord, I now depend on you. 
And Jesus comes as the shepherd. And He can fulfill that role in each one of our lives. Alright? He's not limited by time or space. He can be as close to you as He is to me and as He is to someone in, in Japan or China or anywhere in the world all at the same time. I've heard illustrations that in the biblical times, shepherds would bring their herds uh, or flocks, I guess it would be, <coughs> into town. I, I haven't uh, verified this, but I've heard it from a number of preachers, so it must be true. <laughs> and they would, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they would uh, have a common pen where, like if, if the shepherd was in town, they'd often stay out, out in the fields for many days, but they would come into the village to get supplies or whatever, and uh, there would be a, a pen that the sheep would all be put into. But in the morning when the shepherds would come out, they would have a special uh, whistle or, or a word that they would say, and the sheep would, be, would come to them. Their sheep would come to them, and another shepherd's sheep would go to him. Because each sheep knew their shepherd's voice. And that's the illusion that Jesus was saying in John 10, that my sheep know my voice. And so in the morning, if you were in a village in, in, in Israel at the time, you'd go out and you could actually see how the sheep would divvy up themselves and go to their own shepherds because they recognized the voice of their shepherd. And we want to have that same level of intimacy. All right, where we know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not going to be in need. All my wants are going to be uh, provided. And this is a very important, this is really uh, what's being tested right now in many people's lives. Are you looking to Jesus Christ as the resource that's going to meet? All of your needs. Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means I'm not in want. I'm not lacking anything that I truly need. It doesn't mean that you don't want you know, a new computer or a new car. Boy, it'd be nice to have some new shoes or something like that. You know? What it means is that deep down in my heart, I'm, I'm, there's a level of satisfaction. There's a level of contentment that I get through my relationship with Jesus as my shepherd. Okay? <clears throat> uh, and that's being tested. And you know what? Sometimes people come to me and they're, they're going through struggles. And, I, and, and it's this point in their life that's being tested. And I try to convince them or help them see that this is from God. That if we start to put too much trust or reliance in anything or anyone else, God allows us to see or to experience failure in that area so that we're reminded and that we're turned and that we put our trust and our reliance in Him. Listen, it's out of His mercy that He does this. Okay, It's not to punish us. Okay, When you experience lack... It's because you've been trusting in something that can't provide for that. Because here the Word says that Jesus can provide. Are you following me? Alright. And so when you're experiencing that, He doesn't allow you to experience that to punish you. He does it because He loves you. He wants to keep you safe and secure in His provision. 
And when you get overstretched and you lean on something that isn't safe, maybe He'll let it fall so that you learn, oh, that's not trustworthy. But He is trustworthy. It's not because of punishment. It's out of His love. Does that make sense? Alright? And that His relationship with Him is the only trustworthy and the only source of true security and joy. All right. It's when we have Jesus as our shepherd. It says in the verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And oh, that sounds so sweet. You know, you know, it, you know it can be nice, pretty pictures. <laughs> but I like the part where it says, He makes me lie down. And, you know, there, <laughs> there, is, there are times when God makes you. Alright? This is not optional. Alright? The shepherd, he doesn't get there and say, okay, sheep, let's see. What do we want to do today? How many want to lie down? How many want to move to the next pasture? Please raise your hand, your paw. The sheep can't raise their hands, can they? <laughs> Alright? <laughs> Lie down, <laughs> you know. Or you know, I had our dog trained. Uh, this is years ago, and <clears throat> she wouldn't do anything uh, that we wanted her to, and she would do everything we didn't want her to, and just because she was all excited and everything. And we had her trained, and to this day, that was ten, twelve years ago. To this day, uh, if I say sit, she sits instantly. You know, yeah. Uh, and if she's really excited, there's this this trick. You go like this, you know. You know, I don't know what the dog trainer did to make her do that, but you know, I've tried to figure it out. Like, what did they do? Because if I go like this, man, that dog is on the ground. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, he's they're trained, and this idea, hey, lay down, or he leads me beside the still waters. Lead means to lead. All right, <laughs> I know this may be deep. <laughs> but Jesus being the shepherd or being your shepherd means that He's directing your path. He's the one that's in charge. He's leading the way. All right? And at times He makes you do stuff that maybe you're not inclined to do. And you think, oh, I'd always want to lie down. I've, I've personally been in a place and I've seen many of you and many other people that, man, they just need to chill out. You know, they need to rest in God. They need to stop trying to earn. Stop trying to work it all out. They need to put their trust. And often there's times where you just need to push someone down, you know. Lie down in the Spirit and just say, receive. <clears throat> but it can also mean other things. Sometimes they need to get over, uh, you know, uh, a mountain pass so they can get to the pasture on the other side. And He's got to lead them through that. Or He leads them to still waters. The idea here is that When Jesus leads, it's always leading you to a place where you're going to receive comfort. You're going to receive, you know, green pastures talks about nourishment, about a place where you can feed, where you can gain strength. All right. So there's rest, there's nourishment. And uh, besides the still waters, there's refreshment. Uh, Thirsty souls can be uh, quenched. All right. You can you can be satiated. And, and we obtain or we reach the provision of God by following Him as shepherd. Does that make sense? 
All right? He is leading. I really have a sense that we need to get this, saints. And there's someone here that you need to understand that Jesus being your shepherd means that He's actively involved in leading your life on a day-by-day basis. Many of us were brought up in a religious system or tradition where, you know, if we just followed the rules and went to church, you know, said the right, if we believed the right ideas, then everything is going to be okay. And, you know, ideas are important and you need to know certain truths, but those truths are meant to bring you into a relationship with a person and that person is Jesus Christ. And He is intent, His purpose is to lead you, to walk with you, to guide you through life. And so we read God's Word and we come to church and we get to know Him so that uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, out there in the real world, in the real life, you can be led by Him. You can know what His will is. Not just because you read a book about it, but that He's active in your life. Amen? Alright, that's what it means to have Him as my shepherd. That He's leading me and it's always for my good. Um... It says, uh, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. There's an old English translation of this, and it takes out the separation of the verses. And it goes like this. It says, On the water of grace, ere we brought forth, that makes to recover our strength that we lost in sin. Okay? It connects. Let me read it again. On the water of grace, ere we brought forth, the water of grace, Besides still waters, the water of grace He brought us forth that makes us to recover our strength that we lost in sin. So it's the water, that refreshing provision that Jesus leads us to that enables us to have restoration of our soul. It's not disconnected. It's not He restores my soul and He leads me. It's as He leads me to still waters. It's in those waters that I'm refreshed and I'm, re, I'm strengthened. And the, and, the, and the weakness that I have endured because of and through sin is uh, removed. And in its place is strength and vigor. All right? Ever been out on a long hike and you get back and you eat a meal and it's like, oh, you're strengthened again. And that's what God does. That's what Jesus does as our shepherd spiritually. He wants to lead you to the place of refreshment. And His purpose is the restoration of our souls. He restores my soul. The green pastures, living, uh, the still waters restore our soul. And um, sometimes, you know, we, we would prefer Him just maybe to restore our bank account. <laughs> this is God, I just, you know, I just need you to restore my body enough so I can do the things I used to do 20 years ago. All right? <laughs> or 10 years ago for some of you, or 50 years ago for others. <laughs> you know, and He wants to, and sometimes He can restore our physical, He can heal our bodies. You know, He can restore our finances. God, restore my job. I need another job. Or restore my relationships. And he and all of that's part of the package, but his primary purpose is the restoration of your soul. Alright? You need to understand this. Or else you won't get what Jesus is trying to give you 
in life? Why is He leading you this way? Why is He making you lie down here? Why is He making you eat this grass and not that grass? It's because He's interested in your soul. That eternal part of you that goes on after this outward tent, this body drops dead and is buried. Alright? Jesus looks at you from the eternal perspective. And so what He does is engineered, is designed, custom designed for you personally because He's your shepherd. He's interested in your good, uh, uh, in your life and in bringing you to the place where you're healthy and strong spiritually. And so He restores my soul. And You know, I, I believe in healing. I've And I've seen it and I've heard a lot of how God will miraculously heal people and raise people from the dead. But even in the context of that, the Bible says that death is our last enemy. That means we're still in battle engaged with it. Okay. In that context, I also understand that ultimately Jesus' work is about our soul. It's the inward part. He's got to get His hands in you. All right? To bring healing to the inward part. From the inside out, like we said. That work changes us from the inside out. And if He's inside and He's restoring that soul, you know what? The outward body will reflect what God has done inwardly. Alright? So that's His goal. That's His purpose. And the other stuff, yes, He does to a degree. But always, even that is in the context of bringing restoration to your soul. He leads you... In the paths of righteousness. Let me read an excerpt from a commentary here. This is kind of cool. It was written over 200 years ago uh, by Clark. It says, In the paths of righteousness. And this paths is a Hebrew word that means in the circuit. In a circuit or orbit. And the orbits of righteousness. Uh-huh. Uh In many places of Scripture, man appears to be represented under the notion of a secondary planet moving around its primary, or as a planet revolving around the sun, from whom it receives its power of revolving with all its light and heat. Thus man stands in reference to the sun of righteousness. By his power alone, he is enabled to walk uprightly. By his light, he is enlightened. And by his heat, he is vivified. Okay, everybody say vivified. vivified. Oh, say it like you mean it. Vivified. What does it mean? <laughs> huh? Made alive. Made alive. Vivid. Made vivid. You know what? Some people need a little more vivifying. <laughs> Sorry. And enabled to bring forth good fruit when he keeps his proper orbit when we stay in the proper paths of righteousness, having the light of the glory of God reflected from the face of Jesus Christ, he is enabled, he, the believer, he or she, is enabled to enlighten and strengthen others. Alright? He that is enlightened may enlighten. He that is fed may feed. Alright? Recently read a excerpt, uh, Bill Johnson, transformed people, transform people. You know, and when we are transformed by the power of God, when we're fed, we can feed. When we're enlightened, we can enlighten others. And it's for His name's sake. We must remember that this is for His glory, that we enjoy all of these benefits 
Uh, and the grace that we enjoy is not grace we've earned. It's not grace we deserve. It's grace we've been given. Given as a gift. All right? That's what it means for His name's sake. It's not just based on our own merit or, or our own ability. It's based on His. But that's incredibly comforting. All right? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've found out I don't deserve it. Like every day, I don't deserve it. I didn't deserve grace yesterday. I did and thought things that disqualified me. I did and thought things today that disqualified me from the grace that God has given. And tomorrow I will too. But thank God it's not based on my qualifications, but based on His qualifications. And so that's incredibly comforting that He leads me in righteousness for His sake. But it's also a stern warning that it's His righteousness He's defending. And if there's a time where you uh, willfully choose stubbornly to resist His influence, He may be forced to withhold His grace to defend His honor. Do you understand that? Alright? Because it's not for your sake alone. You represent Him. Does that make sense? So it's an incredible comfort, but it's an incredible warning as well. Uh, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Oh, it's so important to understand what this really means. There's times in life where we walk through a valley of the shadow of death. Alright? If you haven't, you will. Get ready. I'm serious. It may be the death of a loved one, or it may be your own mortality when the doctor says it's incurable. You know? Or it may be driving down a road and all of a sudden, whammo. Or it may be the loss of a job, or maybe grieving anything. There's times where you go through, man, this just feels dark and it's bad, and I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the message of the gospel is I'm there with you. But I don't feel you, I know. I don't see you, I know. I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. That God, Jesus Christ, your shepherd, is never going to leave you or forsake you. Alright? You have to believe that. Uh, <clears throat> and there are times where uh, we don't see Him. But in that, we stay true to His voice. We stay true to follow Him as best we can in the dark times because we trust Him and we have a relationship with Him and we can hear His voice. Does that make sense? Alright? <clears throat> Let's see, I want to get to this next part. It says that Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort Me. Poor child. <laughs> Let me read again. From a commentary, it says um, he mentions it's the scepter, rod, uh, uh, staff, or office uh, has some Hebrew words in here. It signifies in Scripture um, uh, a, a prop or support. The former may signify the shepherd's crook; the latter, some sort of rest or support, similar to a camp stool, uh, which the shepherd might carry with him as an occasional seat when the earth was too wet uh, to be sat on with safety. And listen, with the rod or crook, the shepherd could defend, everybody say defend, defend, his sheep. With it, lay hold of their horns or legs to pull them out of thickets, boys, pits, or water. 
What's boys? Be by boys. Like a gang of boys, grab a sheep. <laughs> it must mean something else. <laughs> like bogs, I bet. Something like that. <clears throat> so, with this staff, he can what? Rescue the sheep. Right? Everybody say rescue. rescue. This is the commentary. It says, we are not to suppose that by the rod, correction is meant. Okay, it's a different use of that word. There is no idea of this kind either in the text or in the original word, nor has it this meaning in any part of Scripture. There is correction. The Bible talks about correction, but in this context, that rod was not used for correction, even though you've probably heard a lot of preachers say it. Besides correction and chastisement, do not comfort. <laughs> so they are not, at least for the present, joyous but grievous. That's what another Scripture says. Nor can any person look forward to them with comfort. Okay? How many look forward to the paddle? Right? No, no this doesn't bring comfort. I'm sorry. Listen to what this commentator says. says they abuse the text to paraphrase rod as correction. The other term signifies support, something to rest on. A staff, a crutch, a stave, or the like. Uh, the Chaldee translates this this way. Even though I should walk in captivity in the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. Seeing thy word, and a, there's a particular Chaldean word there, it means thy personal word. Not just the general word of God, but the personal word. Yeah, is my assistant or support. Uh, thy right word and thy law, they console me. All right, so the idea here, and <clears throat> I've heard this story uh, and it's not true that a, a shepherd, you know, if a sheep was really rebellious, he'd take the crook of his, his staff and break the sheep's leg. And listen, I happen to have been raised on a, a, a small ranch. And if an animal gets their leg broke, you know what you do with them? You shoot them. Well, back then, I don't know what they cut. And a she sheep, you'd eat it. <laughs> All right, that's not what this rod did. This rod would nudge. Okay, oh, not that way, this way, this way, leading them in the path, you know, and rescue. And they could look at that rod and that, that authority that represented the shepherd's authority as a thing that they were comforted and led by. And not this idea of being beaten. Uh, that's just not the way the Father works. All right, there is correction, but that's not what this is talking about. Quickly, I'm trying to finish here. Uh, you prepare before me the, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, it's kind of interesting that it's after the valley of the shadow of death, there comes a time where there's anointing and there's a table in the in front of the enemies. In other words, there's victory and uh, and uh, mercy and, and goodness follow me the rest of my life. And there's a connection here. There's times where we have to follow through the valley where it's dark, but that leads us to the time where there's feasting, right? And and this idea of that I mercy uh, will uh, <clears throat> how's it say it? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You know that word, that follow me? Mitko actually mentioned it last week. It says it means to pursue. It means it's gonna, he's, mercy and goodness and mercy will chase after you the whole, your whole life. As you follow Jesus, goodness and mercy chases, pursues you. It's not something you even have to look for. It's all, all you have to look for, all you have to fix your eyes on is the Lord Jesus and all that good stuff. 
is going to follow after you. Amen? All right. Well, real quickly, I'm going to go over. Because I think this idea of Jesus as our intercessor is really good, and I don't want to take a whole week on it. We understand that uh, an intercessor... You know what? Actually, I'm going to stop. I I, I don't want to dilute. Uh, I really believe that... um, this idea as a shepherd, as a loving, caring, tender one who leads uh, is the idea that the Holy Spirit wants us to really grasp. And I'll, I'll squeeze intercessor in maybe next week. All right? God bless you. Sarah's is going to come up with some announcements. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I just want to welcome any first-time guests who are here with us today. We're so glad you are here. Um, You would have gotten a uh, bulletin when you walked in the door and attached that as this connection card. For those first-time guests, you can fill this out and bring it to the connection counter in the back of the room and receive a gift from us to you because we want to say thanks for coming. Um, Also, this is a a great tool for um, putting in your prayer requests. If you have anything you want people to pray for, you can write on the back of this and put it in the offering basket today. And um, people will pray for you. Okay, we have Kingdom Experience tomorrow night. And um, what we're going to do tomorrow night is we're going to spend some time just enjoying God and all his characteristics. And we're just going to spend some time soaking and resting, kind of like what Cameron's been talking about this morning. So if anyone feels like they want to de-stress and come on in and just enjoy God and enjoy his still small voice, we're going to be doing that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And then also... um, we have a very exciting announcement about a new baby. Uh, the Frenthaways had uh, their baby. And the Frenthaways are a family that um, they moved, uh, was it a month ago now? Yeah, about a month ago. And um, they traversed across to Baltimore, and they've been um, settling in there. And um, Amy just had this little new baby, Margaret. They're calling her Maggie, and she's adorable. Um, there has been some complications with fluid in her lungs, and um, they're hoping to get her back in, um, home tomorrow. And, but they're not sure how that's going to work. If, you know, the problem is cleared up, they'll be able to take her home. So let's just be praying that the baby's completely healed, that the fluid is out of her lungs, and that they'll be able to take it. Want me to pray right now? All right, let's join together for this. This is great because we're all agreeing, and so there's a lot of power in that. So, Father, we just lift up little baby Maggie to you, God. And um, I just thank you, Father, that she's been a baby that in the womb has... uh, has seen a lot of uh, action. The family has moved. And um, I just pray, Father, for just your peace and rest to be on her body, Lord. And we just pray for a complete clearing of that fluid in her lungs. In Jesus' name, I just pray for total health, total um, support of her system, Father, that every area would be healthy and viable in Jesus' name. And we just bless the Frenthway family, Lord. We just pray for provision for every need, Father. And I just ask, Father, for uh, this great new little addition, Lord, that she would just um, be home tomorrow and that they'd be able to have her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody, for praying. So you can keep them in your prayers, but we're very happy to hear about that great delivery and this amazing new baby. Um, Also, uh, you know, we've been talking about the matching fund for uh, our church plant in South Carolina, the Joneses. 
Uh, we'd like to raise $4,000, and so far we have $750, and there's some posters in the foyer that kind of, you know, show the graph and how, where we're at and everything. And so you can just keep uh, plugging away and putting money in uh, with the um, offering envelope where it says Joneses. You can just mark that and just put it in the offering, and we'd really like to see them be blessed. They have a bunch of needs right now, especially a vehicle um, among many others, so we'd like to see them be blessed. All right. Also, uh, just the men's retreat, Eric Luthi, who's been taking uh, charge of that. It's coming up in May. There is one spot available for people. It's whitewater rafting, and it's going to be really fun. And uh, there's a bunch of guys going, but there is one spot. So if anyone who is thinking about it and, you know, didn't end up signing up, there is a spot for you. All right. All right. Kathy Tavel has an announcement. Come on up, Kath. <laughs> Hello, I'm representing our spa ladies group, and um, we have an outreach opportunity. Um, the YWCA has a women's shelter for women who are abused or um, escaping abuse, um, and they go there to a shelter, and they a lot of times flee with just what they have on their backs. So there is... Um, a fundraiser, not fundraiser, but a um, collection that they want to do for Mother's Day. So they they're, um, have a list of items that these, these ladies and their children would need, and this is back on the um, communication center. There's a list. And we would like to, as a church, collect as many of these items and bless these moms for Mother's Day. The um, collection goes all the way through May 7th, and as Pastor Cameron and I were talking about this the other day, there tends to be a slight competitive spirit amongst some of us. And so I was thinking about Mark Morris and thinking about the competition between men and women. And so what we'd like to do is have two boxes in the family room and we'll see if who can bring in the most stuff, you know, guys and girls. There we go. So it's going to be in the family room. There's going to be two boxes labeled. And, guys, keep your hands out of the girls' box. Don't be trying to move stuff around. We'll be taking inventory of it. And um, so let's bless these ladies. Wow. If I was to put money on it, if I was to put money on that one, it's like a landslide. I Just in my mind, I just can't imagine guys like being at the store thinking about it i should get some items for women i don't know like guys just don't shop i i think i i just like wow it would take a lot of effort i think on the guys part because women are natural shoppers Uh, anyway you know i anybody you guys can totally surprise me i've been surprised many times before by the the excellent men in our congregation so who who knows (laughs) All right, um, all right, let's get ready to take the offering. And if you'll join with me in prayer. Father, I just thank you. Actually, I had a, a, just a, a thought this morning. I really feel like God wants to uh, give us a real sense of his, uh, just how trustworthy he is. So I'm just going to pray for that. Father, I just thank you so much for, for your, your shepherding and just how you lead and guide us, Lord. And uh, I just thank you, Father, for that spirit of, of grace in the area of trusting you, Lord, and and even uh, regardless of past experiences and how uh, many people in our lives have failed us, Lord, you do not 
And I just thank you so much that you are trustworthy. You are so faithful and trustworthy. And we receive an understanding and just a threshold of that inside of us today that we know we can trust you no matter what the situation is, no matter what the context is. We can trust you in every area of our lives. You are good, God. And you are so faithful. And we just receive that today. We receive that ability to trust in you. And Lord, I just bless this offering, Father. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. And we just honor you with our finances today. I just pray a blessing over each one here today in Jesus' name. All right. Amen. Graham has an announcement, a very special announcement. And uh, it's going to start with a video. So please watch this excellent video.